Welcome to the Girl Get Your Shit Together podcast, a self-help podcast for cynics. Here are your hosts, coaches Jess K and Sadie B. Hey, lady face. Hey, how are you? I am feeling a little blah, to be honest. Oh, so am I. <laughs> mm, must be contagious. Yeah. yeah, I don't, it's like, I don't know if it's hormonal. I ate sugar, which I haven't in mm. a while. I had some sugar today and just mm-hmm. maybe it's a combination. I don't know. But yeah, just sort of not loving life as much as I was four hours ago. So something right. shifted in the matrix. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I spent my day in a total whirlwind and I think I just got a little uh, depleted and Mm-hmm. A little too much social time, maybe. So yeah, takes I, it out of you. It really does. So I'm looking forward to uh, maybe a bubble bath. And mm, that's some a great TV. idea. <laughs> Hell yeah! I just want pajamas and trashy mm-hmm. TV. It's the best. Yeah, I did the same. I just have been overbooking my weekends so mm-hmm. intensely that by Sunday night I'm exhausted and like dreading the next day. Yeah, it's not super helpful. Yeah, I feel the same way, but I'm also like. If I don't book a bunch of stuff to do, I feel like I wasted my weekend. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. both ways. I can't figure out um, – like I'm really proud of the work that I get done on the weekends, but then I'm also yeah. like, oh, I didn't relax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Learning to make that relaxation time mm-hmm. intentional. It's been really tough. Yeah, it's a hard I've, lesson. It is. I've been considering taking like one day a month off from work as just like a total – on my own self-care day maybe yeah it's the personal day mental health day I love that thinking about it thinking about it so more to come on that (laughs) stay tuned stay tuned everyone (laughs) um yeah so um welcome to girl get your shit together podcast um hello I'm coach Jess I work with women who want to be empowered in their health their goals and their lives And I'm Coach Sadie. I help women recovering from toxic relationships and addiction to create healthy boundaries and reconnect with their inner wisdom. Woohoo. (laughs) Woohoo. I really love what I do. Please don't take my tone to mean anything other than I'm really regretting that Thai iced tea. That's all it means. (laughs) Hey, this podcast is all about being completely different from what you see in the coaching community as far as like everything's perfect and great and wonderful because you know what we all have bad days we all have sugar roller coasters we all have um moments where we just want to say shit this is fucked up Uh uh (laughs) hate everything exactly so this is some realness hate it yeah 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 I love yeah. you. I love you too. And wonderful. And you know what? Yeah. It was actually a gorgeous, like, 72-degree day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm grateful for that. That was really nice. Yep. Yep. It was really nice. I got a nice walk-in with, with the Roxy. Aww. I love it when I say her name and one of her little crooked ears perks up. It's Aww. the cutest thing ever. <laughs> um, she's really just like, are you giving me treats? No. I fuck off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Why'd you wake me up? Why did you wake me up? No, yeah, it was lovely. We had a nice walk and it was, you know, early evening and still really nice out. And mm-hmm. it's the Super Bowl, so there was like nobody around. It was great. Oh, yeah. Like my yeah. favorite day to grocery shop and just be out in the world because nobody's out. That's right. Oh, I should totally grocery shop tonight. That's mm-hmm. a good idea. It's the best. Yeah. I was at a Super Bowl party and I ate um, too much buffalo chicken dip. Have you ever had this? No, I have not had this. It's probably full of things I'm allergic to, but tell me all about it. Probably. Um, It is all of the fun of buffalo wings without the having to hold it. You use a chip to (laughs) eat it. I hate eating meat off of a bone. Like, it really bothers me. Um, So you got all the flavor without a... All the chewing off a bone thing. So we'll never see you walking around Ren Fair with a giant turkey leg in your hand. Never again. No, Absolutely. I've done it once, and I, I don't think I finished it. To be honest, it was <laughs> gross. Look at all the meat on this bone. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's so gross. Take it away. <laughs> Do love me a Ren Fair though. Do oh love my goodness. <laughs> yeah, you look amazing in like a wench costume. Yes, I have one in my the closet. long bell, the long bell <laughs> sleeves. <laughs> 
I don't know if that's a wench costume or the Renaissance costume. I don't know. I don't know where I came with wench. That wasn't. Um, that's usually what I call it. I'm beer wench. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. (laughs) Just like the boobs and the bell sleeves. Exactly. It's all about the boobs. You got to get those up and out, you know? Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So today, um, we thought it would be fun to just kind of talk a little bit about our stories and how we ended up here. And, um, yeah, we just wanted to get a little more personal and talk about the things that we've been through that got us into coaching. And hopefully that is interesting. I don't know. I think it's interesting. Um, I remember when I first met you, Sadie, uh, it was at a coaching conference and you told your story and I was so blown away. And I remember um, telling a couple of other friends later um, that week about it. And I was just like, this is amazing stuff. And she's doing all these great things. And um, yeah, it was like kind of my first introduction to you. And it just really made a huge impact on me. And it definitely made me want to reach out again to you. Um, Thanks. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. You you say like we thought this be this would be super fun to talk about, (laughs) and all of a sudden today I was like, oh my god, this feels really, um, like like requires a certain amount of vulnerability. It's definitely Mm -hmm. all like for the first time it feels really hard to talk about. I think just because it's it's public, but I'm, it's also, I can't, I don't know who I'm talking to really. Like I can't see the face and I don't have right. like that sense of connection. So it's a little mm-hmm. bit odd. Um, so yeah, it's been sort of interesting to observe myself today yeah. on the emotional roller coaster leading up to this. But, um, but yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's uh, for my own sake, a good exercise and sort mm-hmm. of walking through that um, fear and hesitation. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's always a little bit vulnerable to tell your story, and um, I certainly have very similar feelings, but I always try to think about, um, you know, I don't know what part of my story is going to resonate with somebody, True. and maybe none of it will, but... Um, right. I, maybe like I was, somebody who needs to hear something so badly, you know, it becomes exactly. the anchor for them. Yeah. yeah. And I love that that's actually how you and I ended up connecting and mm-hmm. starting to work together was sharing our personal experience and realizing that we had so much in common, although, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're about 10 years apart in age, which kind of makes, to me, it makes it so much more interesting because there's a, there's a perspective that's very different, mm-hmm. um, even talking about really similar experiences. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree. I mean, it's kind of, it's how you build community, mm-hmm. you know, it's how you make connections with people. Absolutely. Um, genuine. For sure. And that's why, you know, um, anytime you build friendships, it's usually over some sort of shared experience or shared, you know, um, past or understanding. And so I do think it's so important to share those stories. And it is really scary. Anytime I tell someone my story, I start thinking, Oh, what are they going to think about me? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really are they going to judge me? And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So on that note, <laughs> uh, <laughs> please just like me anyway, when this is over. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So how I, how did I, how did I come, how did it come to this? Um, I started, I would say the, the best place to start is, is, is to, to kind of go back to the, for me, the very beginning, um, um, of my, my life as a kid. I, 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 in case I haven't made it clear by the 5,000 times I've mentioned that I grew up in a fairly dysfunctional, (laughs) toxic family. I grew up in a fairly dysfunctional, toxic family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was sort of the ugly duckling and, um, and, and I don't say that to be self-deprecating. I mean, I really, my, my parents and my brother were three extraordinarily, unusually attractive people. Mm. Um, and I looked like a small German grandmother at the age of about nine years old. <laughs> so, you know, uh, big yellow buck teeth and, you know, just kind of lack of chin and <laughs> under eye circles. And I was really just sort of chubby and soft and mm. so shy and awkward and, you know, just, just not comfortable in my skin. And um, it created a sense of being less than. Mm. Um, and so I put a lot of value on physical appearance. And 
that manifested in ways as I got older that became very, um, it became really destructive in my need to kind of prove my value and my worth. The things that I did to prove my value and my worth um, became increasingly destructive along with it, you know? Yeah. Um, I know I'm being very obtuse, but it'll, it'll make sense later. <laughs> probably. Um, but yeah, but basically I, you know, I, I really grew up feeling very insecure about myself, extremely inadequate. Um, as I grew older, it manifested into the sense of, I don't, I don't belong here. I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm really thought I was a mistake. I really felt like I was not meant to exist and carrying that sense of, um, not belonging of, of that, that kind of being that kind of an anomaly, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I became extremely self-destructive because it was so painful. Like what a painful belief yeah. to build your life around. You know, when I, when I think back to that young girl, just my God, I just want to hold her in my lap and, and cry with her. Cause it just was, it's visceral. I can feel the the pain of it still, you know? Um, so anyway, uh, (laughs) that it, it, I, I started managing my feelings about myself and my place in the world and how lonely and awkward I felt, um, pretty early on Mm -hmm. with drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, uh, you know, sex and, and dysfunctional relationships just Mm -hmm. because I thought that's all I deserved. And as we know, you know, what you put out is what you get back. And I was, I was living a very dysfunctional life and my energy was very erratic and, and dysfunctional. And so, you know, the, the men that I drew to my men and women that I drew to myself were, were not the best, hmm. uh, not the best match, you know, not super healthy people. And as you go through life, repeating these patterns it really solidifies those destructive beliefs that you had in the beginning to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you're just constantly giving yourself evidence that what you believe about yourself is true. So as I got to be like mid twenties or so, um, I had ballooned, my weight had ballooned. I was overeating, over drinking, um, really struggling with some pretty severe, dark sex addiction behavior Mm -hmm. behaviors. And, um, I realized at some point that my the my self-talk the, the the narrative going on in my brain was destroying my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was absolutely creating this reality that was miserable to live in, um, but I couldn't get out of it. You know, I was aware of what was happening, but I couldn't. I didn't know how to stop it. I didn't know how to live a different way. And you know, I did eventually. Um, I got married pretty young. Uh, and then I had my daughter when I was 25 and divorced at 29. So in my thirties, mm-hmm. I sort of had a, you know, a second childhood of sorts, you know, <laughs> making up for lost time, <laughs> regrettably. And, you know, really hard drinking, really hard partying, not, not physically taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, my health was really taking a beating and I was, me- my mental health was really sort of spiraling out of control. Um, I do, I'm bipolar. I was not diagnosed with bipolar disorder till I was in my mid to late thirties and I was improperly medicated for years, which made everything worse. And so there's a level that we don't often talk about, uh, a mental illness. And that is, you know, people that there's, we see people being self-destructive, dealing with alcoholism, you know, erratic behaviors, abusive relationships, all of that. But the thing that goes unchecked most often is that there is almost always some sort of mental illness in the background somewhere, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. For some people, it's way more extreme. You know, I was sort of mid-range on the spectrum, I would say. I was still functioning. You know, I ran a business. I was raising a kid on my own. I was able to keep all the plates spinning. Um, I looked like a lunatic in the process, but I was, I was for all intents and purposes, I was functioning, you know? Um, but I was extremely lonely and really, really unfulfilled. And eventually I ended up in a relationship with a man who was on paper and, and for all intents, you know, all appearances, uh, really, um, a charming, lovely, interesting, uh, handsome man who I 
sort of fell for pretty hard, you know, and I'm, I'm a fairly cynical human being, <laughs> as you may have noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, when it comes to, to relationships, um, I used to sort of lose all sense of reason, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think it came from, from really craving um, validation, you know, mm-hmm. of my worth from craving intimacy and safety, you know, a sense yeah. of, of belonging somewhere. And I wanted that so badly that I was willing to just jump into something blindly believing that it was going to be, that it was going to work out, it was going to be okay, instead of waiting and sort of seeing and letting my intuition alert me to what might actually be happening, you know. Um, But this man in particular was, um, he was a pro, you know, he was extremely um, narcissistic, Hmm. uh, a little bit, a little bit of a sociopath. And I don't say that like, oh, I'm a crazy ex, my ex is crazy. Like we all have that crazy (laughs) ex. This man was, he was insane. He was really, Mm -hmm. he he was unhinged and I didn't see it. And we were living together. We had, we'd been together for about a year and a half and we'd lived together for about nine months when, um, he finally snapped and turned out he was, uh, heavily, heavily addicted to opiates. And I did not know, had no clue, you know, and he ran out, we were on a vacation and he ran out of free, ran out of drugs and he completely lost it and threatened my life. And, um, in front of my child and it's not something I'm proud of that I put her in that situation. Mm. Um, but I did, you know, so I got to own that. And, uh, I made some major mistakes. Um, but that was, you know, a, a huge wake up call for me. And I immediately got him out, you know, we got home and I, I moved all this shit out two days later with a friend's mm. help, you know, my daughter sent my daughter off to be with her grandparents and, and just was done. And, uh, it was, all was good and quiet for about three weeks and then um and then it started and it was you know four and a half years or so of daily torment and terror and harassment um would send me you know over 100 text messages a day every day calling me 80 to 90 times a day every day following me around town showing up my work breaking into my apartment um you know, at some point he just, he had assaulted me so many times I lost count. I mean, it just became, I was, I was living a nightmare, you know, and it was to, it was such a, it was at such a ridiculous level that I couldn't really even fully get my brain around what was happening. And in the, and in the process of all of this, I am running a business, raising a child, Mm -hmm. trying to keep her protected and keep her, you know, as, as in the dark about what was actually happening as I could. And, uh, you know, restraining order after restraining order and calling the police multiple times and it all came to nothing. And eventually Mm -hmm. I just, I just quit asking for help because it, it did nothing, you know, which that's a whole other conversation. How little (laughs) protection there is for women out there. Um, I did all the right things. I I checked all the right boxes that I was told to check and nothing was done. So Mm. eventually I had to just pack up and move us, you know, come back home and, uh, I don't regret that it was the right thing to do, but you know, it was, it was a hell of a, a hell of a reason to have to go through something like that. Mm-hmm. Time during that half years, you know, I was, I was working as a hairdresser. I'd been working as a hairdresser for many years and uh, I had developed uh, chemical sensitivity and I wasn't aware of it because that's, you know, that's one thing that I will say about that kind of stress, that kind of emotional stress and, and terror is that you sort of, lose awareness of what's happening in other Mm -hmm. parts of your life. Yeah. You're just trying to keep your head above water. And I didn't realize that I was in the throes of severe autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. Um, And over time I ballooned up to about 260 pounds. Um, I'm five, four, I'm, I'm a very, fairly small framed person. And um, I looked ill. I didn't just look like an obese person. I looked extremely ill and my hair was falling out and my skin was gray. My teeth were loose. I mean, it was really extreme. Mm. And I was told by a doctor, cause I'm at this point, I'm seeing doctor after doctor, just trying to figure out what's going on. And I, and I finally was told by a doctor, you know, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. It's clear that you're dying and I don't know, I don't know what to do to help you. Okay. 
And that was the moment where I thought, all right, so <laughs> I have a choice here. I, I have right now I am being, um, uh, I am at risk of being eradicated from, from many different angles in my, in my <laughs> life. If a crazy man who is hell bent on taking my sanity or just will eventually kill me, um, I will, you know, go so insane. I will kill myself or I'm going to die from this mystery illness that nobody can tell me mm -hmm. how to heal. Um, and I got pissed and that's what changed everything is I finally just got pissed and I wasn't going to sit by and do nothing. Yeah. I wasn't going to leave my 14 year old daughter mm -hmm. alone in the world. You know, I, I just, it was, it, it could, I couldn't go out like that. It wasn't going to end that way. You know, I was going to, I was going to die fighting if necessary. And, uh, I did a bunch of research and just, it's, I threw as much energy as I could into, into learning everything possible about what might be happening for me. And that's when I realized finally that I had autoimmune disease. I also had PCOS that was raging out of control mm -hmm. that I had had my whole life and had never been diagnosed with it. Um, and my stress level was so out of control that I was going to drop dead if I didn't do something about it. And the thing about autoimmune disease is like, I, I don't, I honestly don't know. I don't know if anybody knows it's a chicken or egg situation. I don't know if anybody knows really what causes it more than something else, but stress, lifestyle, mm -hmm. diet, all of those things feed into it in such a way. And I was living in such a perfect storm for all of that, that it was, it was overwhelming, you know, how sick I was. Mm -hmm. My joints hurt. I was having trouble walking. It was extreme, you wow. know, and I was at that point, I was 38, you know, 37, 38, way too young to be that fucking old, you know, um, and just in constant pain. So I started, um, changing everything you know and that was really when I decided to quit drinking and quit smoking because it was mm -hmm. certainly not serving yeah you know <laughs> what was what was happening for me and I you know you and I have had conversations about this that you know it, it absolutely was part of the narrative Mm -hmm. You know, it was part of why I was making the choices that I was making, you know, it's you put some alcohol in me and, and, and I'm a different person. I lose all reason. I wasn't, um, my boundaries weren't as strong as they needed to be. I was, I was doing and saying and allowing things that I shouldn't have, um, when I was drinking. And so that had to go, I had to get control of my life. So that was step one, you know, was getting sober. And then, um, I was in so much emotional pain that channeling that into exercise and getting back into my body, like feeling soreness and physical pain mm -hmm. was such a fucking relief yeah. that it became something that I craved and I had to do it because otherwise I was so in my head and I was in so much pain that it, I, I didn't want to live, you know? So I, I started exercising and I started eating better and, and I, in all the research I did, you know, one of the biggest things was I knew I had to get the chemicals out of my life. I had to retire. I had to, I had to give up my business and walk away from this thing that I had spent years building. You know, I had a clientele that had been with me for 10 plus years and I loved all of them dearly. And I worked really, really hard for that business and um, walking away from that was extremely painful. But getting the chemicals out of my life and feeling this sudden renewed sense of health and vitality that I didn't even realize I, I was so far from mm -hmm. was mind blowing. Yeah. You know? So I, I just, it's like I did a full life detox on every level. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to, I had to detox my, my heart, my sexual energy, my, my physical self, my mental health, um, and just start again, you know? So I, I, I lost everything and, and had to build myself back up from scratch, you know, and I came to coaching actually, um, kind of by accident. I actually, uh, in the beginning it was, it was that I had, I, so I had lost 110 pounds. I, you know, I suddenly had all this energy I'd never had before. I wasn't in pain for the first time in years. And I thought there's gotta be a way for me to help other people 
bridge that gap because I, mm-hmm. I asked for help. I spent, you know, two or three years asking for help and trying to find anybody who could give me answers and kind of show me the way and didn't find it. And I, so I thought I, I want to be this thing for people that I needed so much and couldn't find. So I originally, um, went to, to school for health coaching. I wanted mm-hmm. to work with people to, to get their health back on track. And what I found in the process of working with clients is that it is all rooted in emotional and psychological trauma. Yeah. People who are really struggling and really unhealthy, who are struggling with autoimmune disease, who are struggling with eating disorders, you know, uh, uh, food food addiction, sex addiction, uh, uh, drug and alcohol addiction. It's all rooted in trauma somewhere. Yeah. So that became my focus and my interest was, was getting to the bottom of that for people, helping people clean up that pain. Um, because after that, the possibilities are endless, mm-hmm. right? Once you are empowered and feeling reconnected with yourself, your core self, the rest is gravy because yeah. that's, that's the hard work. You know? <laughs> Fuck. Exactly. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my story. I'm sticking to it for now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, there's so many details. I just mm-hmm. feel like, ah, not today, but I hope that gives you a good overview. Yeah. And I think, and when I first heard your story, I only heard the uh, part about healing yourself um, from your, your autoimmune disease. And I was just so struck by it because I've, long been a believer in healing yourself with food and um you were the first person I'd ever really met who I could see of like you know a huge difference in just you describing yourself then and the way you present yourself now I was just amazed and blown away by how much work you had done and the amazing results you had gotten just from listening to your body, figuring out what you needed and following that. And it was just so inspiring and amazing. Um, and yeah, I think anybody who's suffering from something that they can't figure it out or their doctors can't figure it out. Um, you know, I think a lot of times it is important to go back and see what are my emotional strifes? What are my, um, what's my diet like all of those things? Mm -hmm. Because I've heard story after story where that was the case and that's how people heal. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, food is medicine. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want, if you want to talk about just the physiology of it, how we eat, how we think, Mm -hmm. uh, the way that we treat our bodies, what we surround ourselves with, how many chemicals we're exposed to day to day, how many, you know, phytoestrogens and and Mm -hmm. synthetic hormones we're exposed to day to day. All of that stuff makes a huge, huge difference. Mm -hmm. If you look back at the health of the American person 60 years ago, you know, it's a completely different story. Right. My grandmother didn't have PMS. She didn't go, you know, her menopause was nothing. Yeah. You know, and it's the reason being that we have polluted ourselves to the point that our our natural systems don't work the way that they were designed to work, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. So. So, yeah, just from the physiological standpoint. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's how we what we put into our bodies and what we expose ourselves to can change everything. Yeah. And now the work, the work you're doing is around a lot, you know, how we speak to ourselves and, um, how we empower ourselves. And I think it's just so great to be able to have you and talk about these things with you because it is so important. And, um, thank you for sharing your story and thank you for being my friend. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for being my friend. And thanks for encouraging me to, to talk about this. This was Jess's idea, y'all, not mine. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I appreciate that, you know, you were, you were really adamant about this and I, I, and I get it, you know? Yeah. I think it's like you said, you never know who's listening, who needs to hear something yeah. that you have to say, you know, yeah. I remember very clearly. Um, and this is the thing that I kind of go back to more than anything else. When I start to forget, when I start to make, make maybe, you know, bad food choices or, mm-hmm. or I start to beat myself up for something or other. Um, I have a very, very clear memory of laying on my secondhand couch in my very ugly, dingy old apartment 
(laughs) in so much pain, you know, after having worked a 10 hour day, you Mm -hmm. know, on my feet um, and staring at the popcorn ceiling and thinking it's okay. Mm -hmm. Someday this will all be over. I'll be dead and I won't have to feel this way anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was how I lived for years was just (sighs) trying to get through it, hanging on by my fingernails, you know, Mm. and I look back at that now and that's where I have gratitude is that thank God I did hang on because now I have a quality of life that I didn't Mm. realize was possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I, people, people used to say that, you know, we, we've all heard people say, well, if I can do it, you can do it. Right. (laughs) It doesn't really mean anything because you don't, whatever. They don't know your experience. You don't know yeah, theirs. Exactly. But for my own sake and working with clients, I now know that anything is possible and anybody can heal mm-hmm. because of my experience and, I, and knowing that if I can do it, anybody can fucking heal themselves. Anybody right. can change change their life. You know, mm-hmm. I, I changed my reality entirely. And I think the scary thing about that kind of change and the thing that we fight so hard is that what it takes really is surrender mm-hmm. and being willing to just let it all go. Yeah. To let go of everything that you're holding on to because everything you're holding on to is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all yeah. part of why you're so miserable and unhappy or sick or lonely or whatever, you know. I don't think everybody gets to the extreme that I got to where the, like every facet of your life is a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not or, everybody lets it go that far. <laughs> or maybe they do and you maybe, yeah, just can't tell because they've got those plates spinning, you know? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. But, um, but that for me, that was the key. I had to just be willing to let it all go and mm-hmm. walk away, you know? Yeah. And that's what changed it. So that's it. terrifying, but it is. that's what you have to do. Because at some point you get so, it's, you're so tired. There's no choice. Mm -hmm. There's just no choice. It would be nice if we could all look at things logically and go, well, I know that if I do this, it's going to be okay. But no, usually it is at the point where you literally have no other choice. (laughs) You know, watch your life crumble and then pick Mm -hmm. up the pieces. So, yeah. So yeah. Anywho. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah. I love that we have some similarities and I don't want to, I don't want to pressure you into talking about anything you don't want to talk about. So I'm not going to ask about anything specific, but Mm -hmm. one of the things that I, as I said earlier, one of the things that I loved about getting to know you was that we had so many similar experiences Mm -hmm. to go, holy shit. Yeah. It's so nice to talk to somebody in shorthand because they get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have to, you don't have to go into detail because they get it. Exactly. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I haven't really shared my story a whole lot, and I've I've spent a lot of time thinking about like what is my story, you know, what is the narrative I want to spin, and um, I think I've said on here before that one of my my word for the year is authenticity, and um, I am somebody who has definitely suffered from perfectionism and um, appearance casting my entire life, and so. I'd really like to just kind of be open now and talk a little bit about how I got here and how I decided to start coaching. And so, I mean, I I think, you know, great childhood, loving family, um, got to college and I just hit alcohol real hard, um, hit partying real hard. And I had a really great time. It was very fun. I made a lot of good friends. Um, But I think what, ended up happening to me was I lost any sense of self that I had had before I started that. Um, And so that left me really open to maybe people who didn't have my best interests in mind. And I ended up in a relationship that very large, uh, had a very large uh, age disparity and a lot of power dynamics going on. And so you know, that was a very long relationship. We were together for six years. Um, we got married and the marriage started falling apart because I didn't know who I was. And, you know, like many 25 year olds, I went through a quarter life crisis and, Mm -hmm. you know, I woke up, I remember explaining it to my therapist who I was constantly lying to, by the way. Um, that's not (laughs) how you do therapy folks. Don't do it that way. 
if you walk into your therapist and just lie the entire time, you're wasting your money. Um, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> but I remember the one, one day I finally, I've been seeing her for months and I finally got real with her and I said, look, I woke up this morning and I had no idea who I was and that terrifies me. And wow. she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I just, I have no, I look in the mirror and I don't know the person that I see there. I don't know how I got here. I don't remember why I made the decisions I made. I don't remember anything. And it's not like I, I have amnesia. It's that I literally cannot point to a single reason why I am in this marriage, why I'm in this space, why I'm who I am. Um, I hadn't, I had nothing. I wasn't feeling empowered at all and um, made the decision that day that I needed to make some serious changes in my life because it wasn't acceptable. And I know, I mean, we call it a quarter life crisis, which is kind of, ha <laughs> ha, that's funny, quarter life crisis. Um, but it was serious. And I, I've, you know, Hashtag. exactly. Hashtag quarter life crisis. <laughs> um, but it was really serious and it changed my life completely. And, uh, everything I had had up to 25 years old was suddenly gone. Um, and I was starting over and, um, you know, I wasn't necessarily like, okay, now I'm better and things are great. I made years and years and years of bad decisions after that. Um, yeah. I was in, immediately after in another very bad relationship that I found myself, but in a really negative way, I was abusing alcohol in a serious way. Um, the relationship was equal, but I, I never quite felt good enough. Um, it created an inequality in that relationship that maybe it was my own perceived inequality, but, um, I definitely left that relationship feeling like I didn't deserve happiness. I didn't deserve love. Um, and you know, honestly, when that relationship ended, I ended it because I looked at what was going on, how toxic the relationship was. Um, the person I had become within that relationship, I did not like. And I said, you know what, I'm not going to fight for this. I'm not going to fight for this. This is not what I want in life. And so I walked away and it was the hardest thing probably much harder than ending my marriage. Um, it felt like the hardest decision I ever had to make. And, you know, there was a lot of pain around it. And so my struggles with alcohol abuse intensified. I ended up checking myself into a uh, outpatient psychiatric ward uh, for a day. And um, I, I really felt like I was going crazy. I started feeling very paranoid. I thought that people were trying to kill me. I thought that people were coming after me. It was very scary. I was completely unhinged. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think I've shared this with anybody. So real vulnerable moment right now. <laughs> um, but after that happened, yeah, <laughs> after that happened, I started seeing a therapist. And for the first time in my life was, I walked in and I said, hey, I'm just going to tell you right now, I have never been honest with a therapist and I've been seeing therapists for years. And she said, Oh, interesting. What do you mean? And I was like, I have lied to every therapist I've ever seen. And I realized that I can't heal if I'm lying. And I just want to tell you this up front so that if you can check me on it every once in a while, um, you know, that would be great. Okay. Yeah, that's great. You know, and so we worked together for, um, probably the better part of a year working through all of this trauma that I had just experienced with this breakup, um, abandonment issues because of it. Yeah, um, wow. my substance abuse issues that I was having and it was really great. And I just want to say, um, at the time I was not making very much money and, uh, I was really lucky. We have a resource here in Austin called capital area counseling mm -hmm. where they, um, they do payment on a sliding scale. And so if you can't afford, that. yeah, if you can't afford psychiatric care or therapy, counseling, um, group therapy, things like that, uh, they have very affordable rates. I think for my group counseling, I was paying $5 and for my one-on-one -on -one, I was paying 20. Yeah. Um, 
So if you're in Austin or if you're in a major metropolitan area, you probably have something similar available to you. So just my little sidebar. Yeah, um, we'll post a link to some resources um, yeah. locally as well. Mm -hmm. Saved my life. So I did that for about a year. Um, this whole time I was dating my now husband and it was interesting. It was, um, he lived in a different city about an hour and a half away. And so we only saw each other on weekends. And for the first time in my adult life, my days, my weekdays were mine, just mine. And, um, you know, I had a roommate, my best friend, uh, but I suddenly didn't have somebody there all the time. And I really had to learn how to be alone. And even though I was in a relationship, I really was spending so much of my time alone. And it was really interesting to get to know me for the very yeah. first time. Um, I'd never done that. And I'd always let other people dictate who I was. Um, and so for the first time, I really was starting to feel like, oh, okay, like I know who this person is. I, I'm starting to see her and I, I really love her. And it was just really an amazing time for me. And it was about a, maybe like a, a year and a half, two year time span, but it was so important for me to have those nights alone and those days alone and to spend the time getting to know who I was outside of the context of school and friends and relationships and family. Um, you know, I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of um, listening to like self-help podcasts and just kind of diving into this whole question of like, who am I? Do I even like myself? You know, should I like myself? Um, so that was really important for me. And, you know, of course, therapy goes hand in hand with that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I love therapy. It's I do too. Thing. And I'm still, I'm seeing the same therapist still. Um, and I just, I adore her, you know, every day I leave there and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Nice. Um, yeah. So that's that. I mean, that happened. And then, so kind of fast forward at the same time I worked at a job and um, I really liked my job was moving up in the company and then I got laid off and you know, here you go. Another crisis, uh, not quite a quarter life crisis, but another crisis where I'm like, all right, what am I? Who am I? You know, totally thrown out into the world. And I spent four months unemployed. Um, and during this time I had actually, just signed up before my getting laid off. I had just signed up for a creative coaching group and it was a group of women who all had their own businesses and I didn't have my own business, but I really wanted to be a part of it because I recognized through all of the inner work that I was doing that I needed to surround myself with people who were doing things I wanted to do. And, yeah. um, and so I joined this creative coaching group and every other week we got together and I was introduced to coaching for the first time. And it was so amazing because I was working with a therapist, but it was something totally different. It was very um, goal focused and, and future focused and therapy was great because it was past focused. And so mm -hmm. cleaning up the mess. Yeah. Cleaning up the mess and then making something new on the other side. And, mm -hmm. uh, I just really fell in love with it. And so when I got laid off, I told myself, you know, all right, I'm not going to just get a new job. I want to spend the time that it takes to, you know, I need to pay my bills, but I want to spend the time that it takes to find something I really, really love. And that's when I did the core values workshop that I'm going to, we're going to be doing this in a couple of weeks and we're going to do on the show at some point. But, um, I discovered my core values and what I came up with, and these are, um, these are my, uh, updated core values for 2019, but be authentic, experience growth, make a difference, strive for balance and have fun. And I thought, okay. I'm going to find a job that either fits this set of values or I'm going to find a job that allows me to explore something else that fits those set of core values. And so, you know, I went and worked a couple of like temporary jobs and everything. And throughout that process, I realized, oh, I want to be coaching. That's what I really want to do. And so I started researching coaching programs and 
I found the one that you and I did together. Um, and right about the same time that I was signing up for that, I got offered a job, like a full-time job. And I made a deal with myself that I would take this job and it would help fund my coaching program and that um, I would commit to this coaching thing 100% even though I was going to be working a new job. Um, and so that was about almost two years now, I guess, a year and a half ago. And I did. I mean, I finished the program and I still work at the same job and it's been great. And you know, because I have the stability of a job, it's given me the opportunity to keep growing in my coaching. Um, and it's just been so amazing to feel like I'm living my values because I sat down and I said, here's what's important to me and I'm going to make this happen. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, I made the decision and, um, Every day isn't a isn't a fucking holiday or a picnic, <laughs> but it affords me the the ability to grow in my coaching and meet people and go to events and go to seminars and workshops. And I just I really love that I was able to take, you know, something like being laid off and turn it into something so positive for myself. And yeah, um, yeah. and just a little footnote to that too. Um, Coaching has become really, really important to me, obviously. But I remember being at a conference. You and I were out together, actually, in Dallas. And um, I got really drunk one night. And I remember being hungover. I missed the first part of the conference morning. I felt like shit the rest of the day. And I just had this horrible realization that I'm at a fucking health coaching conference. And I'm hungover. I can't help anybody right now. I can't help myself. And I had just like so much, I don't know. It was just, it was a light bulb moment for me to realize like, okay, this thing that's in your life and has been part of your life for a very long time is no longer serving you. And um, that was the first moment that I really started kind of committing to the idea that, all right, I need to stop drinking. Mm -hmm. And it took me fully, I don't know, that was like, April. It was right about a year. It was about a year. Mm -hmm. uh, it took me about a year to finally decide, all right, I've had enough. And it was just, you know, several, many things had happened since then. But um, once I made that decision that alcohol was no longer serving me in my life, I can't tell you how amazing things have been. And I, you know, I know that alcohol is not a problem for everyone. Some people can have a healthy relationship with alcohol and that's great. And I, you know, by no means judge people. I definitely spent years with a really unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Um, but I can tell you over the last four months since I've stopped drinking, my relationship is better. Um, mm. My body is better. My skin is amazing. Um, mm. I just, I wake up every morning with this boundless amount of energy and it's allowing me to do the things I've always wanted to do in my life and in my business. And um, I, I would say like, if you are at a point in your life where you have a vision and you have the goals, but you don't have the energy and something like alcohol or drugs is holding you back, consider it. I mean, it is really, I cannot say more about how amazing it has been the last four months. And the thing is like, people, you know, tonight at, at my Super Bowl party I was at, somebody's like, don't you miss it? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't. I was having three-day hangovers, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like all of my, um, you know, diet and health goals were being ignored. And um, so that's my little footnote is that sobriety has been a huge part of, um, you know, this later part of my coaching experience and why I'm here. But really what it boiled down to for me was um, years and years and years of not knowing who I was and not feeling empowered. And the moment I figured it out and I had that light bulb, I was like, fuck, this is what I want to do. I want to help people get to this moment because there is a euphoria in finally looking in the mirror and saying, I know that girl and I know what mm -hmm. she wants and I know what she needs and I'm going to get it for her. And yeah. um, that's just, I mean, I get so fired up about it. It is what I was meant to do. And, um, yeah, I'm really grateful to have 
you know, all of you in our community and you, Sadie, and it's just been so amazing. I'm really, really grateful for coaching because it's changed my life. I'm really grateful that you found, you know, your way through it and, and, yeah. and your way to where you are because you're an amazing coach. Um, but you're also a really inspiring woman. The thing that really strikes me about you and, and, and really kind of stopped me in my tracks when I first got to know you is that you are so incredibly goal-oriented. Mm -hmm. like your ability to identify what you want and then figure out the way to get there in such a quick, precise manner mm -hmm. is, is, is a rarity. And it's inspiring to see because I'm, I'm very like, I think this feels right. I'm going to just go over here and, see how, you know, like I'm so like, I'm such a squishy Pisces, like, yeah, yeah, you know, and so I, I, I really admire that about you. Thank um, you and watching this process, watching you go through this process for the last few months, because I remember the day that you told me, you know, that you were gonna, you decided to be sober. And, and it had been, I think at that point, it had been 24 hours. You were and, one of the first people I told. Yeah, and I yeah. and I don't take that lightly. I'm mm -hmm. very honored by that. I, I don't take that lightly at all. And uh, I'm glad I could I'm glad I could be there for you mm -hmm. um, in that manner, because I remember how frightened you were about it. Yeah, and, and unsure. But also how you had that same just determination about you. You know, so it's been very cool to watch you go through this process. Thank you. you know, as, as, a, as an older and wiser ex-alcoholic, <laughs> I can say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've handled it really well so far. Well, thank Thanks. you. you know. Well, and I will say, too, um, community is so important. I, um, I found an amazing women's group um, that I try to engage with at least once a week. Um, I've also found a really great group on Facebook that I, you know, if I'm, it's 2am and I'm like, I want to drink, I can go on there and, and we can commiserate a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you, if it is something you're interested in and, and thinking about, definitely reach out. Um, but you know, there are so many communities and resources that make you feel so supported and it doesn't have to be this big, scary thing. Um, and like you said, I was terrified because I had wrapped up so much of my personality in alcohol, you know, um, mimosas were my thing and martinis and Prosecco. And mm -hmm. I didn't know who I was if I didn't have those things. And the exciting, right. the exciting part of it is, is like, oh, I'm still me. <laughs> I just don't feel Funny like that. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah, I don't miss the hangovers. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Good yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, I think to me that was the hardest thing about it because mm -hmm. when I stopped drinking, I was so ready. Yeah. To stop drinking because I was so sick and I wanted to quit smoking so desperately. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you put a drink in my hand, I'm gonna. It doesn't matter exactly. how long it's been since I smoked a cigarette. If I had a drink now, I would smoke a cigarette. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd puke all over myself, but I'd still do it <laughs> um, and probably have another after. So. Uh, that to me, that was the only way that I was going to be able to achieve any of the things that I wanted to do mm -hmm. was to stop drinking. So I was so ready, but the the physical cravings were were very real for me. Oh, yeah. Um, and the thing that made it the hardest was having not having that social lubricant. You know, mm -hmm. I was so self conscious and I was so fucking socially awkward. I still totally am, but I've just yeah. embraced it because whatever. <laughs> I was so socially awkward and shy that I didn't know how to be in a room full of people if I was sober. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to do it. It was terrifying. Mm -hmm. And I've just had to learn to to be okay being uncomfortable. Yeah. And learn to sit with those moments where I want to run away and hide and I feel like I'm dying inside and and remind myself that this moment's going to pass yeah and then something else will happen and it'll be great you know and you'll laugh or you'll meet somebody new or you know I started swing dancing um yeah. basically I had a nervous breakdown and then became a swing dancer and that's what saved my <laughs> life long story short let's just condense it down um but that you know that for me that was my social exercise was, mm -hmm. was learning how to be in a group in a crowd of people and be sober and have to mm -hmm. stand there and be myself you know um, I love to dance, so I'm sure for a lot of people, it's like, that's insane. Why would you go do something that's such a spectacle? But, but like that for me, the dancing is actually comfortable. I felt fine mm -hmm. with that. It was the standing around and having to interact with people I don't know. That was so terrifying. Yeah. Um, so there are skills that you have to learn when you get sober. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, it's the very thing that you've been trying to avoid 
by staying drunk. Yep, <laughs> you know, exactly. For me, it was learning to be myself and interact with people, make mm-hmm. and make connections, um, and having to be seen yeah. for the awkward, you know, socially inept individual that I <laughs> was born to be. <laughs> I think we're all a little, a little yeah. awkward. Well, and that, you know, isn't that the truth? Like that's certainly something that I'm learning. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. as we get older, you're starting to see like all these things we feel about are just so weird about ourselves. Yeah. Everybody has something, some flavor of it, you know, mm-hmm. some mattering of it somewhere. Yeah. Um, we're not all that unusual as we think we are. That's right. That's right. Well. Well, that was fun. Yeah. You know, um, having done it now, it wasn't as scary as I thought it'd be. Nice. Nice. I'm glad you did good. I'm proud of you. Oh, man. (laughs) Um, Well, we hope that that, you know, resonated with somebody. And if it did, you know, definitely reach out to us on the Facebook page. Um, That's why it's there. That's why we're there. Um, You know, we're here to get to know you and, and tell our story and hopefully, inspire you to start making some major change in your life. Um, yeah. And to provide a community and a safe space, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, for years I walked around feeling like I was so um, dysfunctional and, and just mm-hmm. fucked up and nobody would want to be anywhere near me if they knew the truth of what was really going on inside my head. And, you know, right. what I've learned is that that's the stuff that, that connects you with people. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff. That's how you find your people, you yeah. know? And also, you have to have a place to talk about this stuff. You have to have a place to release it and open up and just put, lay your burden down a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's such a heavy load to carry, you know, this constant sense of being unacceptable, you know, being wrong. Um, So we really wanted to, to give everybody a sort of a glimpse that, you know, we're, we're real people. We've been through some (laughs) shit and we're, we're not here to judge and we genuinely do care about, you and your health and recovery and um and we really want to give you a safe place to to share share some of your internal turmoil you know yeah. or or ask for help or yeah. just you know have a place to go and listen and and feel like yeah okay there's somebody out there that makes me feel less alone and less like a weirdo exactly yeah. and this really kicks off uh the whole month of february we're going to be doing a lot around self-love Um, you know, it's kind of the, the month of love because of Valentine's day, I suppose. And the most important part about love is loving yourself. Um, it is the foundation relationship is with you y'all. That's right. right. Yeah. So we're talking self-love, self-worth, um, and, and the flip side of that too, which is, you know, owning your bullshit, you know, Mm -hmm. and being willing to acknowledge where you do, um, uh, you know, have a tendency to, to damage relationships or make destructive choices, you know, yeah. and, 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 and approaching that not from a place of judgment, but uh, from a place of um, being willing to be really curious about mm-hmm. where this stuff comes from and yeah. why, why and how it's serving you. Um, yeah, so we've got some good stuff coming up. Um, and the workshop we're teaching in two weeks is going to be a little glimpse into that as well. Mm-hmm. So if you are in Austin, um, Come see us. We're, yeah. We're it's going to be a good night. It is. We're going to be doing all of the stuff we're going to be talking about in the podcast, um, kind of an intensive. And so uh, we'd really like to see you there. Um, it's February 13th, I believe, from 7 to 9. Mm-hmm. Uh, so check it out. It's on the Facebook group. And if you'd like to speak with us in the Facebook group or share your intentions for the week or ask questions or suggest a topic, we'd love to hear from you. It's the Girl Get Your Shit Together Facebook group. And it's, like she said, a closed group. So no need to worry about, you know, if your friends are going to see what you're posting, um, you know, unless they're in the group, they won't see it. That's right. Yeah. It's a safe, a safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your intention for the week, my, my love? Oh, man. So I've got a big week coming up. Um, a lot of work stuff going on. But I've also got some, you know, some social stuff I need to get going on. I'm pretty bad about kind of hibernating when work gets crazy and then um, not emerging to see my friends. <laughs> so I'm working on balancing a little bit more this week. Um, feeling a little deprived in the friend department. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my, my intention. What about yours? Uh, yeah, I am, uh, working on 
setting boundaries for myself around my time. Mm. Um, mm. I have a tendency, as I know you are well aware, to mm-hmm. overbook myself to the point of frenzy mm-hmm. um, and then react to that by shutting down and isolating myself. So I'm really wanting to get, from my, for me, a place of balance where I have my, my social time and my time with friends that's really genuine and, and honest and connected and then time for myself uh, for some self-care and some quiet because mm-hmm. I am finding that I'm so overbooked that I'm not doing the things I need to do to yeah. keep myself um, really balanced and feeling feeling good and feeling healthy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I hear you. It's the ever-present battle in my life. So. That's right. Yeah. Well, and it just goes to show that everybody has this battle, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's part of living in modern society, you know, we mm-hmm. have all these expectations and things where we have to do and check all the boxes. And then also we have things that we need to do to, mm-hmm. you know, survive and keep things running smoothly. And yep. oftentimes the things we want to do kind of get pushed by the wayside. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Thank you for so much for joining with us. And, you know, please uh, find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify. We're still working on iTunes. So We're going to get you iTunes. We are going to get you. Tell your these friends days. about the podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. tell your friends. It's been exciting to see the community grow. And I've mm-hmm. uh, been getting some really nice uh, private messages and people mm-hmm. reaching out, which has been great. Um, so, so, yeah, if you're digging it, um, spread the word let's build the community and and uh get the ggyst brand growing strong (laughs) um also coming soon we are introducing something we like to call sorry bitch which is basically (laughs) gonna be a short segment in which we clear up any miscommunications (laughs) or I apologize for any of the myriad things I've said that were incorrect or offensive (laughs) in any way Yes. So we'll be doing that. Sorry, bitch. Sorry, bitch. (laughs) I love you, bitch. I love you, too. (laughs) Bye. Bye.